0: thanks for joining us for the connect podcast i'm cole phillips the lead pastor of the connection church and every week we're going to look into the bible to find out how god's word connects to our everyday lives it's going to be life-changing The Connect podcast is produced every week for your growth and inspiration. You can find all the show notes at makingtheconnection.org. You can also find the podcast on your favorite podcasting service. Follow me on Twitter at Cole Phillips and on Facebook and Instagram. You'll find all the links in the show notes. Now, let's get into the study. Good morning. I want to welcome you. Uh, We've been walking through 1 Corinthians, and then along the way, we've had some fun as we have uh, gotten off track a couple of couple of times, so um, definitely want to, to uh, encourage you today to share this so that people are uh, able to, your friends are able to join you, and uh, that's going to be that's going to be good. Get your Bible out as well, and uh, maybe even something to take some notes with because there's got to be some good stuff because we're getting into God's Word, and remember, it's not just about getting uh getting into God's word but it's also getting God's word into us and into our lives that's what we're going to be doing today so uh so thank you all for joining also i encourage you to interact with each other so that uh we can just be a community and support each other pray for each other um uh, this this sunday we're kicking off at the connection church in person and online a new series called first things first it's all about uh priorities. It's all about what's most important in life. And so I encourage you to join us uh, for that, for First Things First. And then uh, we're we're in San Marcos, we're in Buda, and we're online. So, so good. I've got a couple of current news stories that I thought I would bring up today. One has to do, you may have heard on Sunday, that while opening up the 117th Congress on Sunday, uh, the Democratic representative Emmanuel Cleaver he delivered an opening prayer, and he said, "Here was his here was his uh, prayer." And then now now this particular representative is from Missouri. He's a Methodist pastor uh, for more than three and a half decades, and. <laughs> So 35 years, here's how he chose to close the prayer. We ask in the name of the monotheistic God, Brahma, and God, known by many names, by many different faiths. And then he decided to use a uh, gender-neutral amen and a woman to close out the prayer. So, uh, you know, it's just mind-blowing that this is taking place in our uh, you know, in our Congress, as we, uh, as they prayed together, um, you know, the word amen is a literal, it's not a gendered word. It doesn't have anything to do with men. It it means, uh, so be it from the original Hebrew. And so, uh, but, you know, why would you choose to say something like that in your prayer? Probably not because he was speaking to God, but because he's trying to make a statement to other people. And uh, that kind of leads us into 1 Corinthians chapter 14, because it raises an issue about worship. It raises an issue about, um, you know, issues that they were facing back then. And we still face these same issues today. Um, For them back in the day, tongues was uh, a problem for them it was gifts they were struggling with gifts and how to utilize them in their worship service uh, one thing that they were doing was they were speaking over each other they were uh, they were not listening to each other um, so y- this raises some questions a lot of people ask me questions about um, about tongues, about the use of tongues. And so you'll be really interested today as we talk about the use of tongues in church, but people will ask, well, what is that gift and why is it used in some churches and not in other churches? Uh, They'll ask, why don't we practice this in our service at the Connection Church? And, uh, And so, These are some questions, but as we look into 1 Corinthians chapter 14, the big idea that we find here is this, that our spiritual gifts that God gives you, when God gives you a spiritual gift, uh, it, it is to be used in worship for the purpose of building up others, building up the entire church, and not for your own personal, individual fulfillment, Okay, so, um, so that's what we're going to be diving into. Uh, first, uh, it is about building each other up, encouraging each other, helping us, helping people grow in their faith and grow in their connection with God. So let's begin in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, beginning in verse 1. All right, here's what it says. Follow the way of love. "...and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in the tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit, but the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort." So, he's talking about, he says, the, the gift that we should most desire— you know, he says, is the gift of prophecy. We're going to be talking about what is prophecy when he when he uses that word. But the one of the first questions that we have to consider is this: Who are you speaking to in worship? Who are you addressing? Who is the audience? Um, first, we know you know the audience is God, um, but there's also people. There's corporate worship when you're together with other people. You're not just on your own between you and God. There's lots of time for that. But in corporate worship, as you come together, you know, he talks about in verse two, anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Well, what is, a, uh, what is, the, what is speaking in tongues? Well, it's an unknown language to anyone who is hearing that, uh, that speech. And um there are three ways that this gift is really seen in the New Testament, you know in Acts chapter 2 um at at uh, at Pentecost, they were speaking a real la- they were speaking real languages that were being understood by the people who were listening. They were real actual foreign languages and it was for the purpose of spreading the gospel. It was for the purpose of missions. And that was just a rapid way that that could take place. And of course, God could still do that today in a foreign mission field. Um, people understood it. Like today, it would be if we were in our service and and someone began speaking uh, in in Spanish or in Chinese or some other actual language. But then there's also uh, the, the idea of speaking in a language uh, that no one knows or speaking with a language to the Lord. Um, so if you're doing this, uh, then the people are not understanding what you're saying, right? No one is understanding what you're saying. Many times you say, I don't even understand what I'm saying. But then he uses, uh, he says, I want you to to desire prophecy, prophecy. And the word prophecy comes from a word that means to cause to shine, and it's a way to make God's word shine. Many times when we think of prophecy, we think of foretelling. We think of telling the future, predicting the future. And that's not really what this word is meaning here. It means uh, not telling the future, but it means telling the truth. It means uh, boldly forthtelling. The word of God speaking. The word of God. This is what we today. Uh, many times we don't call it prophesying, but we call it preaching. And so he's saying the main thing that you want to do is seek to preach the gospel, uh, because you know in a um, in a service uh, you've got a bunch of people gathered together. They're listening. They're they're hungry. Hopefully for a word from God and you want to include everyone you don't want to ignore certain people and just uh not speak to them but you want to speak to everyone because ultimately it's not about you it's not about me a worship service is not about an individual but it's about all of us coming together it's about us and uh so he talks about this where he says um he he says that the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Okay, so he's talking about three things. He's talking about their strengthening, um, which means to encourage you, to to edify you, to lift you up. There's this idea of exhortation, which is to challenge you. It's not just to make you feel comfort comfortable. You know, we like to say at the Connection Church, we... Um, Comfort the afflicted, and we afflict the comfortable. Okay, if you're comfortable, we might you might need a little fire under you, but uh, if you're hurting, you may need some some comforting. So he says consolation and and comfort. Um, so all of this is what we're trying to to bring forth to people. And the principle here is this: our worship must praise and honor God and build up and honor the people who are present in the service, in the church, okay? So we look at verses uh, 4 and 5. Let me read those to you. It says, anyone who speaks in a language, anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets, so the church may be edified. And uh, the question is here: Who is being built up? Is it yourself, or is it the people around you? And now, it's not bad to encourage yourself. It's not bad to to make your you know to 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 build yourself up. That's not a necessarily a bad thing. Uh, it's just the public worship service, the corporate Sunday worship service is not the place to do that. <laughs> Sunday worship is not your personal Bible study time, you know, where you come in to the the service and maybe you get out a little table and you get out all your, your commentaries and your study books and you just, you know, it doesn't matter what everybody else is talking about, uh or whatever, what the pastor's talking about from the stage, you're just doing your own little personal Bible study. (laughs) That's not what it's about. It's about, um, it's about the people that you're with. We have to be interested in others. And so you got to watch out when you begin to think that worship is all about you. It's not about you. We should, in fact, uh, refrain ourselves from doing the things in worship that don't build up the whole church even if it builds us up personally even if we love it personally if it's not building up the church then we don't do it and so we've got to ask god help us turn our focus from ourselves to focusing on others uh so important you know how do we do that so many times you know we go in i think because of uh the singing competitions, you know, on uh, television that we watch, and we like to uh, we like to be critics. You know, oh, I don't really like that. That I don't really prefer that song. That joke wasn't very funny. Um, it's you know, it's too dark. It's too light. I don't like the the hymns, uh, or I don't like the new songs. Whatever it is you know, we start criticizing, thinking that it's about our personal preferences when it was never meant to be about our personal preferences. We need to ask this question. What good are you doing for others? What good am I doing for others? So in verse six, and this is a a lengthy part of this passage, uh, I'm going to read through 13. But in verse six, it says, now, brothers and sisters, if I come to you and speak in tongues, what good will I be to you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or word of instruction, even in the case of lifeless things that make sounds such as the pipe or harp, how will anyone know what tune is being played unless there is a distinction in the notes? Again, if the trumpet does not sound a clear call, who will get ready for battle? So it is with you, unless you speak intelligible words with your tongue, how will anyone know what you are saying? You will just be speaking into the air. Undoubtedly, there are all sorts of languages in the world, yet none of them is without meaning. If then I do not grasp the meaning of what someone is saying, I'm a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker is a foreigner to me. So it is with you, since you're eager for gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church. For this uh, reason, the one who speaks in a tongue should pray that they may interpret what they say. Now, here's the thing. He's not trying to come up with a hierarchy of which gifts are better than others. All of the gifts are important. All of them are necessary. But there's a different place to use different gifts. There's a different uh, purpose, a different function for the different gifts. Now, just imagine that you go into a church— um, on Sunday, and they are speaking a language that you don 't understand i 've been to you know some services like in Guatemala or different places where the whole service is in Spanish, and i don 't speak Spanish. You know, I can feel good, I can be encouraged, and I can feel good about it, but ultimately i don 't really understand what 's being said i don 't really know what 's going on. And so, um, you know <laughs> unless they have a speaker and an interpreter, and today, many times in churches where people just kind of practice speaking in tongues and or you know they speak in tongues and speak out in the church, many times there's not an interpreter um, and you know people don't always have like back in the day here in 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 worship in in the Corinthian church, they didn't have uh, the the completed compiled New Testament. It was still being written, and so when we come together, we want to hear from God's Word. We want to hear from God, and not just what somebody else has to say, not just what somebody else thinks. And if I go into a service and I don't understand what's being said, then ultimately my life is not going to be changed. I'm not going to be able to do anything with that. You know, or you could say it like this, like if I try to, uh, if I as a pastor go into the pulpit and I stand on the stage and I start using words that nobody understands so that they look at me and they go, wow, he's really smart. I didn't understand a word he's saying, but I know he does, you know, and I use words like hyper transubstantiationism or things like that. And people are like, I don't understand that. Well, that's not going to do any good um we've got to seek to build each other up and so he says this about uh, about the the ways that we do that we do that with revelation revealing the 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 revealed words of god uh with knowledge by by applying god's word with uh prophecy boldly speaking the word of god and instructing people is telling people how to how to live out god's word how do i do this and we find all of it in the word of god and so you know if you want one of the speaking gifts there those are all speaking gifts revelation knowledge prophecy instruction all of those are gifts uh spiritual gifts then pray for these gifts because they build people up another question you got to ask is what am i speaking from? What am I speaking from? So verse 14, he says, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my understanding. Otherwise, when you're praising God in the spirit, how can someone else who's now put in the position of an inquirer A seeker say, "Amen." (laughs) There's that word again. Amen, which means what? So be it, or let it be, or I agree. Okay, that's what amen means to your thanksgiving. Since they do not know what you're saying, you are giving thanks well enough, but no one else is edified. Uh, I thank God. He says that I speak in tongues more than all of you, but in the church, I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others. Than 10,000 words in a tongue. Uh, and, and the question is, what are you speaking out of? Are you speaking out of your mind or your spirit? Is your mind engaged or just your spirit? See, it takes both. It takes both. Um, and I think, you know, Jesus said that, that it, he said, the Father seeks worshipers who worship him in spirit and in truth. And real worship happens where your heart and your head come together, your heart and your head meet. It's not just about feeling it. We want people to come into our service and feel God's presence and feel the Spirit of God uh, and feel good or feel convicted, all of those feelings. Um, but we also want people to engage their brain, to, to think about the truth of God's Word and the, the right doctrine. And what God's word says, we say, don't check your brain at the door. You don't have to check your brain in at the door when you come into church. Um, now, if it's just your head, sometimes there's no heart behind it. Sometimes it's just your, uh, your logic you know, that is engaged. And, and so what real worship is, is it's the emotions and it's the mind. It's the spirit and the truth. And um, I've got to apply these to how I'm worshiping. okay? I'm not just chasing after a feeling. I'm not just trying to get a quiver in my liver. <laughs> um, so so we're all wired differently. you know, some of us are more logical <laughs> and some of us are more just passionate and we want certain things and certain outcomes in our worship. And some churches are geared to people who, who like to just take a lot of notes and some churches are geared to people who just like to kind of roll down the aisles or jump the pews. But, um, we want to, we want to have a place where people can understand God's word, apply it to their lives. And sometimes we got to be motivated by our feelings to do that as well, but it's everything. It's our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength. That's how we love God with all that we are. I got another good thing here. Um, because he begins to talk about the issue of maturity. Check this out. Uh, it's not just what gift do you have, but it's in the way that you use your gifts. And verse 20, he says, um, he says Brothers and sisters, stop thinking like children. In regard to evil, be infants. But in your thinking, be adults. Now here is something super confusing in our culture, and I got another current news story I want to throw out there for you. Um, but maturity is not—we think of maturity as just understanding evil. It's just knowing all of this awful stuff. We try to protect children um, from all the the you know nasty stuff in the world, and so we have mislabeled um, profane things. As adult, we call them adult entertainment. Uh, And this is an adult movie. Um, Maturity isn't just knowing what is good and what is bad. Maturity is refusing and rejecting evil, okay? And having that ability and having that desire. Listen, you don't have to experience all the evil in the world, there, are, and you don't have to expose yourself to all of this awful stuff. Some people, they think, you know, if I don't see it all personally, if I don't see all the horrible things out there and all the nasty things that somehow I'm living in a bubble. No, you should be protected from these things. Um, you don't have to experience all of it. This goes back to a misunderstanding in the Garden of Eden, you know, uh the the where they wanted the knowledge of of good and evil. Okay, great. Now you know. And we think, I just want to have a look. I just want to get a taste of it. No, maturity is refusing and rejecting evil. So here's the news story is that on New Year's Eve, you know, Cardi B, if you saw this Video on Instagram where she was uh, singing. She was playing a uh, recording of her song "WAP," which is about her uh, private parts, right? And uh, she is she is singing it in her living room, and her little two-year-old daughter walks in from behind, named Culture, and as soon as she walks in, Cardi hits stop on the recording and she's no, 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 <laughs> no, 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 I don't want my two year old daughter to hear my song that I've put out there. That's made me all this money that has, you know, influenced little girls, you know? And so, uh, so, you know, she was kind of called out on that, but what she's, her defense was saying, well, I don't make this music for kids. I make this music for Adults—it's adult entertainment. Well, to me, adult entertainment should be something greater, something grander, something higher, something more mature—not something less, not something less than, not something worse. Uh, if you're making something for adults, it it shouldn't mean that it's something uh, profane, okay. Um, and so we get confused about what is adult and, and what is uh, mature, right? So he, so there you go. Paul is saying, think like a mature person. And in worship, um, is the person speaking, are they mature? See, if we have immaturity in our gifts, we think, sometimes we think, well, I have this gift, so everyone else has to do what I do. You know, I'm I'm a prayer warrior, so everybody else should be a prayer warrior as well. I have the gift of service. Everybody else should be um, serving. I have the gift of teaching. Everybody else should be doing this. All of the gifts are necessary. The important thing is, are you using the gifts that God has given you? And what some people do because of their immaturity is they look around and they've got a gift and other people aren't using that gift. So they say, I'm going to go find a church where everybody else has this same gift that I do. Or some people in their immaturity with their gifts, they say, you know, this is my gift. I can use it wherever and whenever I want. So say somebody in the church says, I've got a gift of preaching. So pastor, you need to sit down. I'm going to get up and preach today. Well, that's not how that works, right? You find those opportunities to develop your gift and to utilize your gift, but you can't demand your rights with your gift. And you've got to think about the maturity. of those listening. So in verse 21, I'm going to go ahead, I think we'll we'll read the rest, uh, 21 through 25. It says, "In the law it is written, with other tongues and through the lips of foreigners I will speak to this people, but even they will not listen to me," says the Lord. <laughs> tongues then are a sign, not this is this is you got to follow. Tongues then are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers. Prophecy, however, is not for unbelievers, but for believers. So if the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues and inquires or unbelievers— you say inquires, it's like seekers or unbelievers come in— will they not say that you're out of your mind? But if an unbeliever or an inquirer comes in while everyone is prophesying— They're convicted of sin and are brought under judgment by all as the secrets of their heart are laid bare. So they will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. Okay, so that right there, what a statement, you know, coming into a a church, uh, coming into our our physical campuses or even logging on to uh, a service you know, where people say, God is among you. And that is definitely one of the goals that we have in our services. Like I met God, God was here. And, and therefore, when God is here, lives are changed. Lost people come to know Jesus. And those verses in 22 and 23, it kind of sounds like they contradict. So is it, the question is, are tongues for believers or unbelievers? And so there in verse 22, it's more like, um, you know, somebody who is uh, already a skeptic, who doesn't want to hear the Word of God, and they're just looking for a reason to reject it out of hand. So the sign is, uh, you, you, y'all you are crazy. Y'all are out of your mind, right? But as he goes on, you find out the unbeliever uh, here is a person who is seeking, who is searching, and uh, someone who is open to the good news of Jesus. And so they've come into a service because God's spirit is drawing them. They hear God's word spoken clearly, not uh, in something they don't understand and their lives are changed. They respond. They step over that line of faith, give their heart and life to Jesus. So, so public worship is not the place for the use of the gift of tongues um, because he says that they'll come in, people will come into the church. They'll think, You're out of your mind, but preaching the clear, powerful word of God will connect with them. Okay. And so it's so funny because uh, sometimes I'll preach a message or you'll hear a pastor preach a message and people will go, wow, how did he know? Were you reading my email? How did you know? They say that sermon was for me today. Well, that's because the word of God is alive and God's spirit works the preaching of God's word, and is able to to really connect the word of God to to your life. And so, in our services, and this is kind of what I want to wrap up on. Just just we want to to come together in worship to walk into church and recognize God is among us. God is truly here, and uh, that's where life change happens. And that's what we're doing together. And so, that should be our uh, that should be our desire and our goal. All right. So, uh, thank you so much for uh, joining with me. I want us to to pray together and just pray that uh, that we'll change our focus from being self focused to be others focused. That we'll utilize the gifts that God has given us to share His message of love and grace and mercy and truth and hope and uh, salvation. And that in our worship, that we will recognize God is here. God is among us. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you. I thank you, God, for your presence. God, that you would choose to be with us when we gather together. There's something about coming together in the name of Jesus uh, that you move in a powerful way. So, God, we thank you for that. Help us to not be so self-focused, God, but to uh, be others focused, to be focused on those around us, to build up one another, to encourage one another, and to uh, lift up, to challenge, um, and to comfort each other. God, there's so much hurting that's going on right now. So many challenges, whether physical, financial, uh, emotional, all of these challenges, relational God, we pray that you would be God in each of these situations. We're trusting in you. Help us to apply the truth of your word, to understand your word. God, thank you that your spirit is working in us to help us to understand your word. And God, thank you for your presence in our lives. Lord, we love you and we pray in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. All right. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you have a blessed week. I'll see you this Sunday and stay in touch with me as well. Be sure to share these episodes and these Bible studies and uh, thank you. Have a, have a blessed rest of your day. All right. We'll see you later. thank you for joining us for this week's connect podcast if you liked what you heard then be sure to like share comment subscribe rate we want to spread this good word to everybody we can who needs to hear this message i hope you have a great week and i look forward to you joining us next week for the connect podcast